consistently attract soulmate clients begins showing up on brand monetizing on your calling. Welcome all spiritual coaches, leaders, healers, light workers, and practitioners to a show that turns you on in your business and amplifies your magnetism. I'm host, catalyst, and spiritual business coach, Rosalind Fung, and I'm here to journey with you into the juicy and help you discover where the real gaps are. Ignite your mindset and soul with strategies and systems as each episode takes you to the sweet spot that activates your sogasmic business. Enjoy this light language activation as we begin to magnetize and monetize. Hello, my loves. Welcome to another potent and powerful episode here today. We are going to be speaking about how to become a sought-after paid speaker and or MC with Miss Lavalda Vincenzi. It's going to be so fun. This lady is fire. <laughs> and, you know, this episode is really for you. If you ever thought, if you are a speaker or maybe you want to be a speaker, and you want to be paid for it, come on, who does it, right? And of course, looking at MC gigs, if you feel called to do that and host events as an MC, and um, we're going to dive a little bit more into how to get started. And I'll be really picking uh, Lavelda's brain today and her brilliance. And this is also speaking of, because you guys all hear me say, if you're not monetizing, if you're not increasing that bottom line, it is not a business, it's a hobby. We want you to be winning and monetizing, creating impacts and for that energetic exchange of money. And so we're gonna jam a little bit more about that. But before we do, let me just tune in and ask you, my loves, how has your 2023 been going in your business? I hope that those of you who have downloaded my Soul Visioning interactive prompts for 2023, you've been diving into that. I know that some of you have been giving me amazing feedback about your takeaways and the details are amazing and yummy. Um, so checking in on how that is. And if you haven't gotten that, please do go to the show notes and download that Soul Vision visioning interactive guide can't wait to have you dive into that to support you for activating your 2023 goals so now i'm going to shift to introducing you to lavelda Vicenzi. she and i actually met because i was in my previous business coaching um, coaches container and she had some modules on guest speakers and of course, I'm like, well, this one's uh, calling me this how to be a paid speaker. And I was watching LaVelda on screen. I'm like, who is this lady? I love her energy. I love what she's sharing. It's so clear. It's so concise. She's fun. I can tell. So I reached out to her on Facebook and we just started a connection. And then we got on a connection call. And then it's been like, bada boom, bada bing. And here we are. <laughs> I love it. So let me tell you a little bit about LaValda professionally. She is a world-class MC 
moderator and host who enables event organizers to transform events into memorable experiences. Witty, energetic, and funny, she's the honor of introducing political figureheads, CEOs, and household names such as Monica Lewinsky, Keneal Nair, best known as Raj from the sitcom Big Bang Theory, and Paul Pullman, who's the ex-CEO of Unilever, to the stage. Lavelda is truly the event organizer's secret weapon. And you guys, I went to her website and I watch her sizzle reel. Yes, like this girl is fire. She knows how to bring up the stage. I'm like, oh my God, we have such a similar energy this way. I'm so like that too. She's a champion of diversity on large global stages. As a speaker business coach, Lavelda helps female business owners as she teaches them how to build sustainable, viable income streams from speaking. I love this, Lavelda. You and I have different angles on speaking. Um, I really love to help people craft their signature talk, deliver it as a masterclass, and then sell their program. So to speak and sell on stages, whether it's in person or online. And I love your angle. It's a totally different world. It's actually one that I'm stretching myself into, as you heard me say, to um, move into that world of paid speaking. So I can't wait to pick your brain and really deliver, have you deliver some really beautiful golden nuggets in our conversation today. Welcome, love. My goodness, I'm looking forward to it. You've got a, you've got a, uh, there's a place for you in the world of hosting. I'm like, all right. I'm listening to that like, ooh, who that? <laughs> who that? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, girl. Yes. A bit, actually. And um, it's interesting because I think it's just in my personality um, as a speaker. And then I've just been invited to MC events. I think my first MC gig was actually at a wedding. And really? So fun. Um, and then, uh, and then it just became on stages and it was like almost, mm, you know, quote unquote accidental, but it's not, no such thing as accidents. It's like the MC couldn't make it. And I was a speaker at the event. They're like, do you want to, do you want to MC uh, the event too? And this was, in an international talk uh, in the states and i'm like yeah awesome so like more exposure and building more connection with the audience and having everyone pump them up yes and then i got somebody approaching me to ask uh, me to be an mc for their event coming up from that <laughs> so i'm not surprised it's kind of it's pretty much how i got started as well i nobody like you know when you do those tests at school yeah. to work out what your what type of um, career you could have, emceeing events or being an event moderator or a panel moderator, those things don't show up on those lists. You've got lawyers, police, you know, that kind of stuff. But this isn't one of those, I guess this kind of falls into the new category like an influencer, you know, where it just never existed on those kind of lists. Um, but it has so many beautiful benefits to it. And I think Often with roles that you haven't heard of before, it especially if it's a natural talent and a natural flow for you, I know for me it was harder for me to recognize something that came really easy and monetize something that came easy. And it was almost easier for me to be in the struggle of trying to figure it out, you know, something mm -hmm. that was kind of, you know, you have, I, I guess it's that narrative we hear about really having to work hard and put in good effort. Yes. And, yes. and when you've really embodied that hard work gets results mantra, which I know 
we're on the same wavelength. We're not fully believing that. I'm not anti-work, but I'm, I am anti this feeling of having to kind of push and uh, struggle in order to get results. But I know for me, where it was easy, that was almost harder to monetize. Mm, can you unpack that a little bit? Um, because it was easier for me to ask somebody to pay for something that felt like effort for me because mm. my experience of the work is work and therefore they're paying for something that's difficult to do. Okay. It is harder. I feel Ooh. like a lot of us can just resonate with that, myself included. It's like, and really, I mean, a huge part of my culture too is like, you need to work like a dog. You need to be workaholic yeah. in your values and your performance, right? Rather than your beingness and your own like natural abilities and gifts. And it's just like, if you don't feel like it's that efforting, like mm. then you should not get paid. Like why? Right. And I hear that a lot with my clients too. They're like, but this, it feels like everybody knows this. And I'm like, no, what's common sense to you and what's natural for you is not for everyone else. This is your gift. You're born with this. This is amazing. Or you've cultivated that it feels yeah. so common sense now. I, I think the thing to remember is none of us want to go to, um, none of us want an electrician coming to work in our house who's going, hold on a minute, let me get the manual out for that and, you know, have another look to figure it out, right? We don't want somebody coming to deal with big things where they're in an efforting space. We yeah. want them to come in and just be like, know this. It's frustrating they come and press two buttons and it's fixed, but we also think that's why we paid them yeah. because they knew instinctively which two buttons to press so that yeah. it was fixed. But for us in that space, it's so simple for us. We forget that it's not so simple for everybody else. And I remember thinking for the longest while, I mean, seriously, how difficult is it to introduce people? <laughs> it does. Like, there's so much shit that people have to, like, work through to get to where it's probably more natural for you and I. I bet you, Lavelda, did you also get on your report cards in school talks too much? Talk, I used to, I say to people now, like I, I used to get, Lavelda, you're too loud, you're too talkative, <laughs> and you're a bit too bossy. And I'm like, oh, look at that. What do you need to be a great host? A bit loud, quite talk talkative, and a little bit bossy. Not too much, just a little like. Yes, yes. I just spoke at a networking event yesterday, and that's what it was all about um, evolving and self expression. And I spoke about the confidence to really like put yourselves out there and, and owning your worth, right? And I said, in society, we as women are taught uh, not to be too loud, too much, mm -hmm. and too shiny. And so I love that you're like, okay, what? Like, yes, this is me. <laughs> Did you always embrace that? Or tell I mean, us about your journey and how you got started? Well, the speaking thing, I say to people, the reason I don't work with people around confidence building is because I was never not confident, right? I was never right. that kid that really struggled with confidence. So I personally just don't understand it in that sort of way that I can really relate to the struggle of 
um, of being scared of getting on stage. Now, that being said, I am nervous every time before a big gig, right? The, the worst time to talk to me is about five minutes before I get on stage. I just finished on Tuesday and I felt sick again. It is absolutely that kind of sick feeling of wanting to throw up just before you get on stage, still normal for me. But being terrified, so yeah, still normal for me. But I've never experienced that being terrified to get on stage or being scared of being in front of a group of people or not knowing what to say. I've always been the person that just said yes to that, be it drama, debate, class. Like we have to, somebody has to present this presentation from the group. I'll do it. Like that's always been me. But I didn't know where that would, it never occurred to me that there was somewhere that it would fit in that I could just be paid to basically be me which is the weirdest thing right the weirdest thing um <laughs> i love this can i just insert here of course said something really huge is you know you've always been confident so i want actually want to define that because i mean that's my jam is helping people build their confidence in and I want to define confidence and the difference between self-worth because a lot of people think it's the same thing but really confidence I see it as it's your belief in yourself to do something and then eventually do it well with practice. Because usually when we're first doing something, it it's, takes great courage to go and do the thing. So it's activity related where self-worth is about the value you hold of yourself mm -hmm. and self-worth is inherent. And so this is really a matter of do you believe you're worthy to speak on stage and get your message out there? Impacts the world. Like, yes, of course you guys are. Of course. But sometimes it's a self-worth thing. The confidence, I still also get nervous. Um, you know, it depends on the event. So yesterday I had uh, one of the my friends who was in an audience come up to me after and said, do you still get nervous? Like, oh my gosh, you did so well. And, you know, I got some really great feedback. And, and um I said, yeah, I usually do, but this time I didn't as much. And I feel like for me, it's like if I, I've been in the room for a while, I've been connecting with the woman, and then I'm just hopping on stage. Now, for me, it's different if I'm just coming right into a room that I haven't had a warm-up with. So yeah. I know about myself, a warm-up, getting in the vibe, the energy of the room is amazing. And I also, no matter what, though, you can't talk to me five minutes before because I'm in the zen. I sometimes go and meditate yep. or just get into the energy of, like, you know, be, getting in the big stage energy. So, yeah. yeah. I think people just, for me, I just take the nerves as a sign that I actually care. And mm. I, it, it's, it's, I don't want them to disappear. It's futile for me to fight them. They're just part of the process. It's something yeah. new. And because it's something new, it feels unfamiliar. And yet it's still very familiar. The yeah. newness is this is a group of people that doesn't know me right now. This is an audience where the context is entirely different. Am I going to be well received in this space? But it's never can I do it. That's never the, where the nerves are coming yeah. from. I know I can get on this stage and I can nail it. I'm just nervous because this context is different and I care whether or not I'm going to start there and I just want to get into the flow of it. And once I get going, I know I'm going to be okay. So to me, I've always said, if there's a day that I'm no longer nervous and I no longer feel that sickness in the pit of my stomach, it means I no longer care about the audience's energy and doing a great job and I need to stop. So 
Yeah, for those of you who have those nerves, it's normal. It is completely normal. I love that, that just like you really unpacks it right now and go, oh, right. It's because you care. Like, yes, and it's a new environment. I love that so much, Huelda. Can you share, because I am so curious about your journey and I really want the audience to hear where, like, how did you get started? So like, what was your first door, like doorway into the speaking world? In some ways, I was always speaking um, from really young. That was never a problem in terms of when I, when I realized there was the possibility for this to be something else, because I think there's a lot of people where it's like, I'm always speaking, but I don't feel like a professional speaker. I don't feel like this is a thing where I realized that where there was a tipping point is when I started coming off stages. So I originally did not go out to be a moderator or a host. That was not, it was not, it was not even on my radar. I wasn't out trying to do this. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know it was a thing. I had a friend of mine who runs a speaking company. She did then, she since sold it. Um, and she invited me to help to MC um, mm. or host the evening. So I would introduce the speakers and whenever I'd finish, she'd say, oh my gosh, Lavaldi, you're really good at this. And I really didn't think much out of it, um, partially because I was the kind of kid that always got that feedback when I got off stage. So part of my challenge with speaking was the feedback was always good because it just was something I enjoyed doing that I needed somebody who could give me feedback at a higher level. So it didn't really surprise me. I was kind of like, oh, you know, part of me just thought, okay, then babe, you know, but I didn't really take it overly seriously. And then she invited me to co-host a couple of fashion shows with her. And the first time I did it, I came off stage and I remember we're in a break and somebody came up to me and said, oh my gosh, um, how much do you charge for this? And I was like, uh. Because <laughs> you were doing it for free at that point? I didn't even know it was something you could charge for at that point. What do you mean? How much do I charge? I was like, uh, so I just, me being me, I just rolled with it. I was like, babe, you know, I'm in the middle of work right now. So if you give me your details and we can do a call and we can figure that out. Cause I just basically needed to buy some space between that conversation sure. and what happened next. Yeah. Cause I literally didn't know. And, and um, I also want to know like, what are you, what are they wanting to offer you so that you can create a price point that feels really good for you? Girl, I'm gonna have to come back to you on pricing. Cause a lot of people get that wrong, <laughs> but yeah. So I just put some time in between because I literally didn't know how to deal with the request. Cause I hadn't had it before. Yeah. And then what happened over the next year or so is I got a few LinkedIn requests for MCing. Now mm -hmm. my LinkedIn profile didn't say this is what I did, albeit there were a few posts from when I was excited about a couple of things that I hosted, yeah. but it wasn't like I'd set myself up with this profile telling the world that I'm an MC and I moderate. And there was none of this. So I didn't know where these people were coming from and they had legitimate bona fide events. Right? <laughs> so, so when the first organizer found me internationally, it was an organizer for a conference in Paris. I've been doing that event with them ever since. Wow. It was their first year of the event and they had this, this idea for a climate, uh, a climate conference. They were expecting mm -hmm. like three to 5,000 people to attend. I was looking at some of the names and I thought, oh, and it dawned on me. I was like, hold up a minute. So are you telling me I can get paid to travel the world and talk to interesting people? Like this is a job. <laughs> people pay for this. And in that moment, is when I decided I'm going to tell people for a year 
that this is what I do and see what happens. Like I'm just going to commit to it for a year. It's no longer a hobby. It's a business. This is what I do. I was still working full time. My LinkedIn got updated. You know, I started pulling together videos. I started connecting with other speakers. I met with other MCs to have conversations with them. I, I printed business cards. I just was like, this is what I do. Lavelle Vincenzi, MC and host. Like I created the can. I, I mean, it was, I say it was all smoke and mirrors, but I just decided for one year, I thought for one year, I'm going to go wholehearted. I'm going to tell people this is what I do. I created a list of a thousand event organizers I reached out to. I, I brought my husband with me to like be like my film crew roadie. He took photos and videos. You know, I, I literally just decided I'm going to, I'm going to do that, do this. And within the first year I'd interviewed Monica Lewinsky. I think I did about three or four different countries. I'd done a design conference. I'd done, uh, you know, it was just kind of crazy how it, how the flow went. And a lot of the opportunities kind of came to me. So I accidentally fell into it, or you could say, that I, you can either say I accidentally fell into it, or you could say I discovered a zone of genius and decided to fully lean in. Mm, Beautiful. And really gift it to myself. Oh, that's so powerful. I want to highlight to the audience, just like recap this, because I feel like a lot of us just wait. We just Mm -hmm. wait for the you know, opportunity, instead of going out and creating it. In fact, when I first moved here to Kelowna, where I live now, uh, I from last year, I went and created opportunities for myself. I'm like, where can I speak? So I started messaging networking groups and got in right away. And yesterday was my first time at this specific networking group speaking so it's like it's like I've never been to the networking group and the first time it's been a trend I attend a certain networking group I'm speaking so I just think that's so powerful when we decide to take leadership and Mm -hmm. champion ourselves and market ourselves to go look I've got these gifts I'm passionate about this and it's aligned let's go right (laughs) it's a huge yeah and I think or do you did that you're like okay you're listening to the signs that are coming and then it's like him hey, leaning in I'm leaning. now there's actual drive and intention there's a switch over that's so beautiful sorry yeah I think there's a really fine line as well between the forceful nature of it because I, yeah. I I'll be honest I tried this in two completely different ways I went through I told you I built a list of a thousand organizers and I reached out to all of them yeah, yeah. now girl I could say this to you. That was me in my hustle, bro marketing vibe, and it didn't work. I didn't know you back then, so I'm surprised about that. It did not work. (laughs) It didn't work. And I find so many people come to me and they're like, Lavelda, like, I really want to get on stages. And I'm like, do you really want to push that hard? Because it's twofold. One, I now know why it didn't work. When I understood the industry better, it's a highly networked industry. And if you think of each event, organizers get fired for hiring bad bad speakers. Yes. You know, each time somebody puts you on a stage, there's the potential they're also putting their career at risk. Mm-hmm. Right? And here we come bounding in like, pick me. No, seriously, pick me. Do you not know me? Pick me. 
we've got no evidence to back it up. Right. Nobody knows who the heck we are. Nobody's vouching for us. We're just here shouting into a void and people don't want to pick that person. Mm-hmm. We used to have a saying when I worked in sales. It was, um, nobody ever gets fired for hiring IBM. And what they meant by that, because I worked in technology sales and I worked for small companies, right? So we're the small player. That was me when I was going on speaking. We're the yeah. small player. Like, hi, see me over here. Honestly, it's fine. We're safe. It's okay. It's not a problem. We're up against the IBMs who, if you hire IBM and they messed up, mm-hmm. it was just unfortunate. If you go out on a limb to hire this unknown tiny little company that messes up, you should have known better. There is a, there is a, there's a shift. There is a shift in, there is a shift in where that responsibility hits. It is safer for somebody to pick a player where everybody thinks it's a good win because it's the reputation already sits there. It is not so safe for me to pick this highly unknown name and give them the biggest coveted spot on the stage because when they mess it up, it is not a small mess up. It has ripples. And here we go trying to show up, show up with no background, right? So once I understood the industry, I got to understand how important the network, Mm. the connection, all of that time that people don't think about is in building a business. And the other thing I got to see was nine times out of 10, my speaking engagements aren't hustled. They find me. And when they find me, they're already convinced. I'm not having to do a big major pitch. Is that because it was a referral, word of mouth, and then also coming to your website? Like you have a very powerful sizzle reel. So a sizzle reel, for those of you that don't know, is like a, what is it? Like a third, I don't know how long it is. Um, it's no longer than three minutes typically in the UK. I think sometimes in the US and Canada, you guys have it a little bit longer, but in the US, UK, it's like no longer yeah. than about three minutes. Mm-hmm. So it, I, the best way to think about it, think about a sizzle reel, sometimes it's called a show reel, it's a commercial for you as a speaker. And where a lot of new speakers get it wrong is they think it's a collection of videos of you on stage. Mm-hmm. Not the same as a commercial. A commercial sells a specific result and it's very clearly curated. Mm-hmm. So by the end of it, people should know who you are, how you work. The credibility is in there. The background is in there and they have a sense of how you present and what your energy is like and what your message is like. And getting all of that, like all of you into yeah. three minutes is not an easy feat. So it does take quite a bit of iteration, but yeah. So it is a combination to answer your question. It's a combination of they've seen me in a room before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been referred by somebody else who's seen me in a room before. But what I could tell you is it's always backed up by a background search. It always is. Yeah. Yeah. So even yeah. even the referral business, you think they're not going to Google you? They, of course, would. And this is why branding, aligned branding, is so key. And having that niche is so key. Now, I was watching your sizzle reel. And you have a diverse, and even as I'm reading your bio, you have a very diverse background in terms of what companies you work with as an yeah. MC and as a host. Um do you always know the subjects deeply? Like for me, I'm I'm just don't follow politics. I'm not into them. And if I had to be an MC for a political person, I 
probably, I feel like I would just be like, shit, I don't know if this is, you know, I don't know the terminology and stuff. So I'm curious for you, do you deeply know each of the subjects? How does this work? No, I don't. I knew, I just finished an event that was a room full of politicians, city mayors. I don't know anything about these things, right? Until I get hired and then I have to learn them, right? Right. And they the key you, thing, how does that work? They, they, mm, the best way to put it is when you know what it is you actually do. Yes. Then you know what you're actually selling. I don't sell expertise in a particular area. I sell an ability to create an amazing experience and connect beautiful conversations when there's a diverse audience. That's what I sell. So you didn't hire me to be the expert in politics. You didn't hire me to be the expert in sustainability. You hired me because you want a engaging human conversation amongst a really diverse crowd of people. You want to be able to have a politician, a business owner, and a farmer on a stage speaking to a room of students and for that to work. That's why you hire me. You don't hire me because I understand sustainability. The panel understands sustainability. That's why they're here, right? And so whether it's emceeing, whether it's moderating, whether it's speaking, understanding what people actually pay for is what makes the difference. In the speaking side of things as keynoters, one of the biggest mistakes I see is people are so focused on a story that they want to tell. What they don't take the time to understand is what is the transformation that is created as a result of me coming in and speaking to this group of people. And when you understand what it is you really do, it's not the talk. It's something that happens when you speak. It's something that's created as a result of you speaking. It's your secret source. So to me, if you just want somebody to ask questions, you don't want me You don't need a moderator like me if you just want somebody to ask questions. But if you want that is such a skill set to be able to hold the space for all the conversations happening and then tie it in to make sure there's flow, right? And I'm a facilitator. Um, it makes, I can feel my body. I'm like, it makes me nervous to have to think about like the possibilities of emceeing and putting together. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's my gift or it just could be, I just don't know what I don't know. I mean, I'm usually, if when I emcee, it's, it's usually, um, with being on stage, introducing the speakers, um, you know, commenting maybe about like what the speaker just spoke on before the next speaker comes on, but like the takeaways, asking the audience, tying in the themes. So I'm assuming it's similar. But I think yeah. in my mind, I'm like, oh, I don't, like I, I have a story. So this is good because somebody's probably relating with me about, oh, my God, I need to know about sustainability and you know about politics. But I just need to be, have the ability to hold space and create the experience because that's what people are paying me for to create uh, a flow. And each person's secret source is going to be a little bit different, right? Uh-huh. Not every moderator does exactly the same thing. That's what yeah. I do, right? Mm-hmm. And... I got to see it like the biggest piece of advice I can get give people going into the speaking industry is understanding your, your niche or your niche is an ongoing um, space. I started by going, I host events. <laughs> like, I'm a host. And then I quickly realized I don't really do award ceremonies because, you know, remember those thousand people I pitched to? We started by pitching to a load of award ceremonies and I learned very quickly that a lot of their process either the, they, the fee was low, they went through an agency or they hired a celebrity or a well-known person in the industry mm-hmm. 
to hold the space. I wasn't going to win most of those. So there was no point. Then I started in that kind of business arena because I get it. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, I get it. This is an easy place for me to start because I understand this audience. I understand the pain points. That's where I started. I stumbled into sustainability and that meant I ended up getting more sustainability engagements. I didn't go to start that, but having done multiple of them, I then sat back and went, why the heck do these people keep coming to me from a sustainability perspective? Because I'm still talking about, I'm high energy. Like that's where I started. I was like, what people want is energy. I'm a high energy person. And it's only when I started to hear the feedback from the clients. Lavaldo, we love your process. I was like, nope, not everybody has a process. Like how do they, okay, maybe I should start selling this process business because apparently not everybody behold, beholding the room and guiding the, the, right. the event organizers in the way that mm-hmm. I do. There must be a space for that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I remember um, just seeing how diverse the audiences are. So a lot of the time I might have super scientific specialist people in the panel and a really broad mix. And I noticed the organizers or certain organizers would give me the most complex panel. The one where they're kind of like, these people sound like they'd be really good together, but none of us know what the frick to ask them. Like, what do you ask the, (laughs) you know, we've got, we've got a politician, we have a farmer, we have a scientist, and we have a, an educator, right? Like, what are we supposed to ask them where those questions all intertwine? Oh, and by the way, the audience is equally as diverse, right? Um, so I might have a group, we might be talking about really deep, uh, I don't know, like a, a, a new regulation. Mm-hmm. And the audience doesn't know the ins and outs of this regulation, but the panel are living it. Hmm. But the good thing is I know nothing about it either. So, you know, I kind of get it. I have, a, have to have an understanding and then connect that in such a way that the audience doesn't get bored. Because if you put a, a specialist in that place, they're not having a conversation all the way up here. <laughs> and no, and everybody's just and the audience is just like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that you that is a gift, lady. Like, I just want to acknowledge you for that because it really is a gift to be able to hold space like that and weave th- things through and keep everyone very engaged. And yeah. I feel like that's part of like um, in the way I do it too in my world. It's very much about. Um, being able to uh, magnetize when you show up that way, even when I'm showing up on, let's say, Zoom calls as a participant. But like afterwards, I have people like messaging me saying, I love your energy. Because I'm I'm like busy in the chat box tying things in and saying, yes, and cheerleading, I'm the hype girl, but I'm also giving value. And so I feel like that's what's really like that magnetic factor and the natural gift for me. And it's like, people are like, I love your, but I'm like, what am I doing? And I'm like, See, this is exactly it. It's normally you, you don't know what you're doing. Yes. You don't know what you're doing. And that's the bit we miss and we don't mark it because it's not valuable. Back to what we said at the beginning. It's yeah. what we know. And because yeah. it comes so instinctively and so naturally, for some people, it's storytelling. For some people, it's the jokes they tell. For some yeah. people, it's just the way that they can kind of immediately engage an audience. There's so many things that we do so innately mm-hmm. that, it doesn't come up in our marketing, but it's the thing that the pe- the clients love the most about us. And our problem is often we haven't been spending enough time listening yeah. to what it is our clients 
really love. And instead, we're at the surface level and it's hard to create a speaking business on the surface level. It's like creating a coaching business and just saying, I coach. Yeah. When it gets really powerful is when you really know what it is that you do that nobody else can do the way you do it because nobody else has your lived experience. But what it means is getting really good at listening to your clients and then reflecting it back in the same way that you would do with a coaching business. Because yeah. one of the biggest problems I see in the speaking industry when women in particular go to monetize their speaking is all of that business acumen y'all have, I don't know where it goes. It don't come to the speaking side of things. It goes like, you know, I want to be a speaker. I'm like, cool, let me go have a look at your website. Oh, there's nothing on my website about speaking. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at a stat that you had on your Instagram page about only 30% of women get are paid speakers, right? Actually, let's talk about this. Let's shift gears about the monetization. How do we price ourselves? Where do we freaking start? Help! How do you walk a client through this? So the first thing when it comes to pricing is a shift in mindset from waiting. Remember when we said earlier, it's about like going out to get stuff. Yeah. I've noticed with women, we often have a very high permission mindset. Mm-hmm. So it's almost as if what happens is I'm going to get really, really good at this. And when I'm really, really good, then money will start coming in. Or it's okay then for me to ask for money. Girl, some of them still don't start asking. They still waiting for somebody to come and be like, here's the pile of money. This is a business interaction. Trust and believe if you don't ask to get paid for coaching and you're going to give free coaching services, people going to take them. <laughs> who doesn't want to bargain, right? So the first thing is to kind of shift your mindset into thinking of your speaking as a service available for hire. And you created and you- that. You literally took a whole year to put all of that because I want to highlight this to audience. Lavelda created it, put it out on her bio, did the photos to match it, and put content out for that. This is really important so that when people come and Google search for her, they see this is what she's about. We can do the same thing. Yeah, because otherwise, here's what happens you can go and try and pitch as much as you want at the highest price that you want. And right. then what happens is somebody's going to look you up and it's incongruent. Mm-hmm. It becomes, it's like the, the best way I can put it, it's like if you're going to look at a hotel's website and you land on the website and it's got these old tatty photos on it. You know, like something taken from a camera before we had them on the phone, like something <laughs> back from like, or like oh, you know what I mean. The person's like a twenty-year-old picture, like that from twenty years ago. I should say you right? can tell it's grainy. It's like the the lighting is a little bit off from these photos. The website kind of looks like I'd say a teenager did it, but a teenager would have done a better website. Like mm-hmm. it's it's clearly done by a forty-five-year-old who's now discovering how to do websites on the internet. I have to kind of do it that way round because teenagers this day these days yeah. are generally Um, pretty good at this it's so true and same with branding i'm like you can tell when somebody has a diy and i'm like nobody is gonna want to hire you because you're you're not showing up for your own self and your business to take it seriously and hire somebody to at least create some some 
beautiful graphics. It doesn't have to be expensive. Like it doesn't have to be expensive, but it does have to be congruent because if you land on that hotel's website and then you look at the price and it's saying a thousand dollars a night, you don't believe them. Yes. And so this, and is, this is why you don't believe them because if you actually charged a thousand dollars a night and people paid that, wouldn't you have a better website? Mm-hmm. So this is about like taking the leap of faith, investing as if you already have that money or that gig. Right. And so it's like, just you're matching the frequency that you want to be in that you are moving towards. And that's really important. I think too many people are like, oh, I'll wait until I have the money to do this. And I'm not saying, like, if you're struggling to put food on the table, I'm not talking to you. That's important. Yeah. You better look at money management there then. But I'm talking to people who, you have the funds. Like, you got to prioritize this. If this is important enough, go and do the thing. You might have to, you know, sacrifice a Starbucks for a month or something like that. But, like, look at how you are budgeting so that you're making sure that this is prioritized and get you in front of a line. Wow. Here's the thing as well. Often it's not even, it's not even that expensive. It's just not being done. Yeah. Oh, Right? Yeah. So if yeah. you think about it, It'll be something as simple as I'll have somebody approach me and say, Lavelle, I'm really struggling to find gigs. Can you help me? Because a lot of the work that I do with women is showing you how to market and position yourself and and really get the most out of these engagements and create this magnetism around you and your speaking so people now come expecting to pay you rather than you having to hustle, right? And so when a client or a potential client approaches me, I will go and look them up because they're here telling me, oh, yeah, I'm, all, I'm so good at this. And a simple Google search will either co- collaborate your, corroborate your story or will undermine everything that you've said. And it will be things as simple as you're telling me you're this big time speaker, but nowhere, anywhere can I find anything on the internet that says this is what you do. So you're telling me you do X, but it looks like you do Y. That's like a friend of mine, because it even works with referrals, right? That's like a friend of mine recommending a plumber to me. And I go and look up the plumber and all I see is accounting services. Yes. Do you see that a lot, LaBelle? Like, do you see the gap there? Is that Mm -hmm. more common than... Yeah. So I'm guessing that's like one. I've had somebody say to me before. So that stat of 30%, I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. Why do we not have more women on stages? Like, it's not that Mm -hmm. difficult. We're pretty, you know, I know a lot of smart, clever, switched on women who are very good in this space. And then I would have event organizers say, it is hard to find women for stages. Mm -hmm. Like it is harder work to find a great quality female speaker. And I thought it was a crock of nonsense. Until I started looking at how women who talk about being professional speakers actually show up on the internet and the internet does not corroborate professional speaker because it doesn't even say speaker. It doesn't say professional. There are no photos. There are no videos. There are no testimonials. There is nothing that suggests that this is an actual business. And then you wonder why nobody wants to pay you for your speaking when you yourself are treating it like a hobby. Yes. Thank you. Mic drop. I see that as well. When I'm working with my when clients are first starting to come see me, I'm like, okay, we really need to like, we market on organically on Facebook and Instagram. So it's like, we need to like shush this up so that it's aligned with your messaging, who you're calling in, how you serve your transformation. So that when people come 
you know, like get, look, people are, you're you suggested as a Facebook friend, people in, will be like, yes, I want to know this person more. Right. And so same thing is what I'm hearing is getting yourselves out there, whatever platform that is, um, and really positioning yourself and your authority. That's so important. So important. And, and it's speaking to the person who books. So the big, yeah. I'll, I'll share one of the big gotchas that I see very right. often. A lot of the women I work with are business owners who've stumbled into the space of speaking. Love it. They're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm here. I like this. Can somebody else run my business most of the time? And can I just speak? Can yeah. I just speak? Yeah. I just love it. I love to be in that space, but nobody seems to want to pay me for it. Right. This seems to be the common theme. And the challenge for them is they're a business owner who speaks. All of the business stuff has been applied to their business client. So they know when they get on the stage, what goes into their content in order to inspire the audience who are normally their ideal clients into action. Yeah. What they don't know is the person who hires them for that stage, what the hell they want. So all of their marketing bypasses the person, it, it kind of go, it bypasses the booker and goes straight to the person who is in the audience. Mm. Well, as a booker, I'm reading this content and it doesn't speak to me. These aren't my challenges. These aren't my problems. This isn't the issue that I'm having. You want to book a corporate gig, but you've been working one-to-one with people. So all of your stuff is speaking to the individual. It's not speaking to the corporate challenge. It's not speaking to the corporate problems. It's not talking about how you can come in and help with that. It's, there's no testimonials to back it up. There's nothing that would say this is a space you're in. So when I'm going through the internet and there's all of this information and none of this stuff speaks to me, why am I stopping? Mm-hmm. So it's not even necessarily as though the audience isn't there. It's that you don't speak to them and trust and believe as soon as you start to go, right, who do I think is going to have this audience mm-hmm. and how do, how do, what is their problems mm-hmm. and then start creating content and really getting quite intentional in the same way that you would in any other business. It's not different. It's just yes, a different audience. The company that's hiring you to speak, they are the clients, not the audience. Yes. Thank you for and making it's, that It's a really big shift because I'll have a lot of people go, oh, I, uh, you know, I know my client, but I don't know who pays. And I'm like, then you don't know your client. Yes. Yes. As a speaker, if you don't know who pays for speaking services, you don't know your client. Mm-hmm. You need to understand what is that booker paying for and why. And if you don't understand that, then you almost have to, and it might feel like going all the way back to the beginning, but this is a new business line. It's a new co- client. It's a new audience. You can't launch to a new audience speaking to the old audience and expect the new audience is going to buy it. it. just doesn't work like that. So you've right. got to think of it like, you know, my encouragement for, for business owners who speak and want to kind of create a income stream from speaking, you've got to think about it as a new product in your mm-hmm. business and treat it as such. And when you do, you have marketing, you have sales, you have testimonials, you have systems, you have all of that stuff relating to that new product line. You don't launch a new uh, program and use exactly the same contract you used before. You have to change it. Yes, absolutely. It's like under the umbrella of your corporation, this is another pillar that's a different stream and you need to treat it as such. Yeah, absolutely. 
Wow. And so when it comes to what, like, what's a good, is there like a baseline rate? Like if somebody's just starting out. Let's talk money. <laughs> right. It's a really big question. The short answer is there isn't a set price that anybody can charge. You can get anything from minus in so much as you have paid to be on that stage to literally six figures for a speaking engagement. There are several factors that are going to affect what you can get charged, right? What you can charge. The first is what the market will bear and different industries, different sectors, different topics, different audiences will bear different price points. Little gotcha for it. It's not the size of the audience. It's the transformation for that audience. A small, you could charge the same amount for an audience of 10,000 as you might charge for an audience of 10 senior executives in large corporations because the impact of a transformation with that group is worth the same amount as the impact of transformation in a room full of 10,000 people who might have to work from the bottom up. In, wow. in order to affect change, right? So it's got nothing to do with the size of the audience. So when people say to me, oh my God, it's a big stage. No, big stage doesn't necessarily mean big money. Small stages can mean a huge amount of money too. It depends on the audience. So it's what will the market bear? A company will pay more to hire senior executives, to train senior executives or people who are directly income generating. And yet the same company will have no budget for the women's group within the company because it's a nice to have and they will get a smaller budget. Same big, big company. So that's a red herring. So the first thing is what will the market bear? And there are a number of different factors within there. Secondly, you'll be able to get away with charging with what people will pay you. Mm. What will your profile support? Mm -hmm. Right? You, you, mm, you, if you do not have a Tony Robbins style, uh, Profile, don't expect to get Tony Robbins style prices. Right. Okay. Got it. So it goes back to our you conversation I mean? that we just had about it's, it, it, it's like it's the positioning. Like if you have a huge social media following of multiple millions and people are you getting called up by the media all the time, possibly. If you were a politician and you had that space, possibly. If you were nobody just getting started, just know where you're starting. <laughs> right that's not to say it's not achievable but understand people are going to look you up and they're going to make an instinctive judgment about how much you how much right. they anticipate paying you and if those two things are completely out you're going to struggle right right you're just going to struggle and the third one and the one that's often overlooked is how much you can congruently unapologetically ask for Okay, let's jam about that a little bit more. Mm, I, why, why did I think you were going to want to go there? <laughs> you can have an epic profile in an industry that would pay you a tremendous amount and be too scared to ask for it. Wow, I feel like you need to say that again. You can have an epic profile in an industry willing to pay you a lot of money and be too scared to ask for it. Yeah. So how and do you work with your clients to get the courage to ask for it, to confidently so, ask for it. It's a, to me, for, mo for the most part, it's about building that congruency and building that confidence. So you start where you are right now. There can be a gap. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I would prefer you to go in and ask for 1500 and get that 1500 and feel the buzz of it, even though you know you could have got 5k. 
because the fear of asking for 5k it's going to be 5k no 5k because your voice is going to quiver your body's going to change it'll be confident 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 what the frick happened to her like it was all okay until you know floppy her showed up right and once you get that yes a few times i've always said to people just add an extra 20 percent. whatever number feels easy like if right now for you it's like i could ask for a thousand okay ask for 1200 ask for 1500 because the negotiation never goes up. You don't go and ask for a thousand and they go, no, we'd rather pay you fifteen hundred. Yeah. <laughs> really, it doesn't. They don't go, no, that's undercharging. We want to give you more. That's undercharging. We actually want to give you two and a half. Is that okay? Like it doesn't work like that. It's only gonna come down anyway, right? But at least you stretched it that it will come down to the thousand you were comfortable with. That'll be your floor. You know, and I have to say that's analogous to what I coach my clients on. And even for my own story, like when I first started out as a, from moving from taking that leap of faith, uh, resigning as a psychologist, I had started my self-love coaching business. And, you know, then I realized like, oh, the license is holding me back from fully expressing how I want to show up in the world. And the coaching really gave me that confirmation like, this is how I want to show up. These are the transformations. These are the clients that just light me up. And I feel like I have no limits. I have no limits because it's not a regulated profession. And so it was just like, wow, freedom. And so for me, though, I started out charging, uh, it was 600 bucks a month. And then it was such a huge leap to go a thousand dollars a month. And, you know, like I would stand in Wonder Woman pose. And now I teach my clients to stand in, here's a tip, my loves, stand in Wonder Woman pose and say, I, my lucky, my clients or whatever it is, my, my, yeah, like would be clients and my clients are lucky to get me at only a thousand dollars a month or whatever that amount is. And now like, it's no big deal. It's like $10,000 a work with me. Right. Like that's and it, yeah, it just it, you get to the point where it's just so yeah. easy. The yeah. thing is, there are clients at every single price point and yeah. at every single price point, you're going to be too expensive for somebody. Exactly. And too cheap for somebody else. And, and honestly, for me, it was the latter that was just like we up in these prices because I don't mind being too expensive, but too cheap. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That one would hurt my spirit, right? I could be too expensive. I was like, I can handle that. But the same with buying houses. Some people will look for places a million and up. Yes. Yeah. And so there are certain doors that don't even open when your price is beyond a certain, below a certain level. Mm -hmm. So it works in both directions. And I just prefer to sit on, it might be too expensive, but you know what? I'd rather be that than be too cheap. And it's always going to be too expensive for somebody and too cheap for somebody else. Absolutely. And there's more than enough to go around. So you're going to magnetize the people that are absolutely in the same frequency as you see the value. And it's like, here's my money. Like that's the energetic exchange. And there are people, like you said, that are just going to feel like this is too expensive. That's too much. Great. There's another coach that can support them in where and meet them where they're at. That's amazing. So, Oh my gosh, Lavelle, I feel like we could jam even more. I um I see that we only have a few minutes left. And I have to say, like, wow, we got an audience here. Are there any questions that you can see? Oh. Um, so I saw one from Nicole Crowley who says, Is there something you offer? Do you help people put these things together? I, I think she was asking. I this. think 
Yeah, I think the question came up when we were talking about showreels and all of that sort of stuff. There's a number of different things that I offer. Yes, I do help people put these things together. Um, at a really high level, if you go on my Instagram, there's a couple of toolkits that you can grab straight away. They're like $47 each, really quick and easy. One of them is all about building your profile. The other is all about pricing or you can yeah. get both of them at the same time. So it's a quick, easy way to kind of get into my world and get to know me a little bit better. So that's one way, one place to start. Um, I also have a Money From Speaking um, Accelerator. It's a nine-month program that's available, and I work with people one-to-one -one as well. So if you're interested in either of those, just slam to my DMs. I'm not difficult to find. <laughs> You heard about Lavelda from Roslyn because we always love to know where our referrals come from. So awesome. And you guys can check out Lavelda at, um, on the show notes as well. The links are there. All the ways that you can get a hold of her are in the show notes. Thank you so much, Lavelda. You are amazing. You're a gem. I know we could have jumped even more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mwah. This has been beautiful.